You're listening to the audio program, Host and Guest, hosted by me, Rick Katchke. Now here's myself, Rick Katchke. Yes, welcome to this edition of Host and Guest. I'm your host, Rick Katchke, and on today's show, I'm joined by Kurt Neal, the director and star of Derek's Dead, which is one of my favorite comedies in recent years. I first became a fan of Kurt through his work with Channel 101, the monthly series in Los Angeles where folks create five-minute shows, which are then voted on to see which ones will get new episodes the following month. So then with Derek's Dead, Kurt combined some notable Channel 101 talent with one of my favorite comedy duos, Joe McAdam and Chris Stevens of Butt. So if I were to give a logline for Derek's Dead, the premise is that two former friends are forced to reunite to honor their dead friend, Derek, whose wishes were to have the two friends be the ones to scatter his ashes. And from there, chaos ensues. In my chat with Kurt, we talked about what drew him to Los Angeles, his work with Channel 101, his recent short films, and of course, we talked about Kurt's feature film, the hilarious Derek's Dead. Here's my chat with Kurt Neal. All right, well, it's a pleasure to welcome to the show, Kurt Neal. Kurt, thank you so much for being on Host and Guest. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Kurt, I guess to, to go from the top, uh, can you tell me about how you got your start in comedy and, and moving to L.A.? Like, what, what was the origin for you of, of coming out to pursue a career in this? Yeah, sure. I guess it, uh, the, the, the easiest answer is in college. I started messing around with comedy stuff in college. I, um, I was a very reserved or uh, uh, self-conscious kid in high school, and I kind of regretted not like trying weird stuff and trying different things. So when I went to college, I was like, I want to try stuff. I want to try new things. I want to make new friends. And, you know, all this, I was all motivated to, to be a new person. And when we were in the dorms, uh, we were flipping through the TVs and there was a public access channel. And there was these two guys doing like a kind of like a late night show. There was a host. There was a sidekick. They would interview guests. And then they would also do sketches. And it was all really bad. It was terrible. But I was like, I, that's cool. I want to be a part of that. So me and another friend went and found them and we're like, hey, we think what you guys are doing is cool. We want to help out. And they said, oh, OK, um, yeah, we need some help. We can't exactly pay you. And then we said, holy shit, are you guys getting paid for the stuff you're doing? Um, but they're like, oh, well, yeah, technically. So I helped them out for a little bit. And then we made a like kind of like a 45 minute little comedy special thing all together for and that would have been like sophomore, junior year of college. And then I kind of took over, they ran like a student, Western student television is what it was called, because I went to school at Western Oregon University. Uh, so I took over Western student television once they graduated. And then my senior year, I made a little half hour comedy show with my buddy, Sam. We put out 10 total, 10 30 minute episodes of a comedy show that was absolutely terrible and no one will ever see because it's too embarrassing. Do you have a favorite moment from the, the a favorite sketch from that? No, they were all so awful. Um, it was <laughs> we I all the the all I remember is we did a thing called Street Beat, but it was like us as like man on the street stuff. Where we were interviewing like other students, and it was so bad. And we didn't none of, we didn't know what we were doing. It wasn't funny. 
and it was like 10 minutes long but people loved it people responded to it so we were like okay i guess we got to keep doing fucking street beat and then we did one called dolphin and walrus it was like a kind of teenage mutant ninja turtle thing or some sort of mutant thing. we the the origin was we two guys fell into the ocean right where there was like a spill of, of some sort of chemical and we merged with a dolphin and a walrus so it was like we were walking around as humans but this guy made a dolphin sound and this guy made a walrus sound so then we would every now and again we'd be walking around campus and someone would spot us and just, arr, 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 because they like recognized us and we're like holy shit and that's what it was when we'd go out we'd go out to like bars and stuff people would like recognize us and like come up and like holy shit you guys are the ones from that show and that is all i needed once i heard that twice once or twice i was like holy shit okay this is what i'm gonna do and it was also the only time i wanted to like work hard at anything like i was like totally willing to put a lot of free time into like making some bullshit so i was like oh that's a pretty good sign i had no other ambitions or goals i was just floating around i was getting a business degree and just skating by with bees because i knew i should get a decent gpa but i had no plans no goals there's no jobs i was interested in or, or wanted so once I like noticed how much I enjoyed doing it and was willing to put my free time into it, I was like, well, I guess I'll just move to Los Angeles after college. So it was right after that you made the move? Yeah, I moved down in August of 2006 after I graduated. Yeah, yeah, it was very scary. I didn't, I didn't enjoy those first couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess my first exposure to you was, was Channel 101, but I don't think you were involved with it back in like 2006. So like between 2006 and the start of Channel 101, what were you doing? Yeah, it was a lot of running around and just, you know, guessing chicken with a head cut off kind of thing, just like no idea what I was doing. Like I just show up and thinking, okay, I guess I guess I'm going to be in comedy. Um, and uh, so I tried stand up here and there, but it was really scary for me. I was never comfortable with it. I had my moments here and there, but it always really stressed me out. A lot of anxiety, very uncomfortable for me. Uh, so that was tough. But through trying to do that and just hanging out and going to shows and making friends, I, I made a handful of friends that were were Emerson kids and they all knew how to just like make shit. And they had made like short films and web series and stuff. And I was like, that's cool. Like, can I do that? And so I like made a couple of friends like, can we make stuff? I want to do some of the stuff you guys did, but I want to be a part of it. And we made, went out and made like a web series that would turned out pretty good and got us like some reps and stuff and got us some street cred. And once that happened and like not only was it really fun and fulfilling and it turned out good and it netted result positive results i was like well okay well forget stand-up i don't care about stand-up so then i just started to fuck around and make stuff but then you get bogged down with like oh we have agents now oh we got let's develop a pilot that we could pitch and let's we gotta do this we gotta develop that and you get carried away with that stuff when really we're nobodies and we're all we're 24 25 nobody cares about what we're making so if, in retrospect, that felt like a huge waste of time. And I wish I wish I would have found Channel 101 the second I showed up in LA. But it did take a minute. It did take a good seven or eight years, maybe. I forget now when I even showed up. There was a couple friends that were making a show called um, Intimate Indiscretions. My friend Paul Bonanno was like the director. And my friend Davey Johnson was one of the stars of the show. And they just kept posting about it on Facebook and it looked really good. And I had heard of channel 101 and because they were all involved in this show that looked cool. I was like, well, I got to go check it out. So then finally I went to a screening and it was just like the coolest thing ever. And I was like, I have to do this. I have to be part of this. So then it was just, I would just like made a point to like meet anyone I could 
and like make friends with everybody. And then the second one person put me in one thing, everyone that now knew me was like, oh, you're an actor. Okay. And then it was, it was kind of game on from there. Yeah. You were in a bunch of channel 101 shows. I had a good little run. And then you, you created a couple of yourself. I mean, my favorite was, was Kurt, your enthusiasm, which was basically curb your enthusiasm, but with you, Kurt Neal in, in the Larry David role. Yeah. Yeah. That was the only one that was like worthy of more than what it got. I had, you know, I was in a bunch of stuff, people like other people I know from 101 and stuff like, no, you've been in so much stuff. Oh my God, you're prolific. I'm like, I really didn't do that much. Like people put me in stuff, but the shows I was actually involved in like making very minimal and nothing went far. I I never had a show go longer than three episodes because I just, I still couldn't wrap my head around the five minute thing was tough for me. And like keeping it compact and like a full story, but like kind of leave people wanting more. Like I couldn't, it, it wasn't my strength. So I never made a show that made it past three episodes. Hurt Your Enthusiasm is the only one that should have gotten more. Like it was good and we could, and we had a format going and we had like a, a nice little thing going, a nice little bit going. I think it would have, would have gone on for a while, but just, you never know. And now, but that was the beauty of Channel 101. Sometimes it's just not good enough. Sometimes there's just five shows better and, Sorry, man. Wasn't good enough. Do better. Wasn't your month, right? Yeah. So then uh, after uh, Kurt, Your Enthusiasm, and uh, what was the other show? Blake and Blake, right? Blake and Blake was technically, I think, a really good show, but I blew it with the third episode. The third episode was trash, and it was all my fault. But the whole conceit of the show was so good. It was, I my dad has had just died, and on his deathbed, he revealed that I had a secret sister I didn't know about, who he also named Blake. Uh, so it was kind of documentary style me going to her place to like introduce myself say hey I'm actually your brother hey our dad's actually dead and it was really good it was with my friend Chelsea Morgan I was kind of the straight man to her weirdo and the dynamic was really good she's really funny and I just made the worst third episode ever and we got canceled I fucking blew it I'm really embarrassed (laughs) but you've gotten over it clearly right yeah i mean it's one of it's it's one of those it's the one where it's it's that it's that one there is that right there these are little things i've made i've got them printed in the tiniest little versions ever <laughs> oh this is good for the podcast right pointing right. to pictures on the wall i forgot i forgot we're doing the podcast so just to catch everyone up i was just pointing to the tiny little pictures on the wall behind me uh i hope you're enjoying the podcast so far <laughs> you know that's what i appreciate when a guest checks in on the listener yeah, yeah, I'm here for you guys. So let me describe all six pictures. So first on the top left, no, I'm not going to do that. So from Channel 101, you then made the leap from making five-minute episodes to making your first feature film, Derek's Dead. What was it like shooting a full-length feature? Yeah, yeah, I was like, hey, five minutes was nothing. I might as well go for 73. Um, yeah, it was awful. It was a total nightmare. Uh, it was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. <laughs> it completely broke me. But I was already somewhat broken to be fair a big reason I I went for that I was like to be fully honest I was just not doing well uh it had been 12 13 years in LA at that point and I was just like wasn't feeling good wasn't feeling confident wasn't feeling happy feeling like okay I'm getting up to this age what am I doing I'm still fucking driving Uber or Postmates or whatever I was doing and really stressed all the time broke all the time didn't see a future (laughs) a positive future and you know the whole time I'm like I got I got a nice family back in Oregon I still love Oregon uh maybe I the whole even that whole time those whole 12 13 years I was like you know should I go back should I move back that was always in the back of the head 
what would I do if I did, et cetera. Um, so I just got to that point of like, I think I got to get out of here, at least to clear my head. Um, but if it is for good, because I knew if I left, it was it was a toss up of if it was temporary or for good. So I was like, if I leave and if it's for good, I need like something to hang my hat on. I need more than these five minute Channel 101 shows. I need more than these couple short films I've made. So I guess I'll just try to make a movie and at least I'll have this one nice thing, this one big piece of art or some shit that I can like be proud of if I, if this is it, if I'm giving up. So I just kind of went for it with no real plan in mind at first. Um, my parents are, are very good people who are very good with their money and they've been giving me and my brothers a little bit of money every Christmas. So I'm like, well, I know I'll have that little money and I can do something with that. And then I got friends that'll do favors. I can I can make this happen in like a week. If I can just find enough people to give me a week for probably free, I think I can pull something off. And I just started going for it. Um, the confident, the, the kind of like blind, like I just have to do it, did end up making a lot of other things happen. I did end up getting connected with these guys, uh, Lenny Barstaff and Aaron Brown. They have a production company called Onion Creek. They were trying to create their own little kind of similar to Channel 101, their own little network of just creators that they could collaborate with. And they even had a little money they were trying to throw around to, to help a bunch of different people make little pieces, but make it all part of one thing, like a web series where each thing, each episode was made by different creators. Like an anthology? A little bit, yeah. I got connected with them and, and they were maybe going to have me make one of those shorts, but then I just started talking about my movie and they're like, oh, well, maybe we'll just help you do that. So then they like threw in a, a few bucks. They came out to LA. They brought some gear. They brought a, a camera guy. And we just, I, I, I found enough friends that had like the week free and we just fucking threw it together. But it was the most intense, like traumatic thing ever because I had all that pressure and all that like shit in my head going on. So like, and I was kind of, you know, everybody did their part, but like, I felt like I was in control of everything and responsible for everything. So all the, all the, the, the stresses of production just like ate me alive. Well, I have to say, like the the stress doesn't really show on camera. I mean, it is it's, it's a it's, very funny movie. You're yeah. very good in it. Uh, oh, thank it's you. Very entertaining. I, you know, I've been tweeting about it for years. How much yeah. I enjoy Derek's Dead. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. No, it's it's absolutely a miracle. When I think about how it felt doing it, and then watch myself in it, I'm like, how on earth did I deliver a performance I'm satisfied with, knowing what I was feeling and thinking at all times for that for that week um it's pretty it's pretty miraculous we shot in six days and two of those days were like half days and it's 72 73 minutes it's pretty crazy it has a really unique location throughout most of the film yeah. was that was the film written with that location in mind or did that just kind of like you wrote the script and you found that spot afterwards it was two it was two there was two main factors one um I was already tight with Joe and Chris, Joe McAdam and Chris Stevens from Butt, as you mentioned. I was already tight with them. And, and once I got to this, like, I got to make a movie. I was like, I should do it with Joe and Chris. And I reached out to Joe and I'm like, I want to make a movie, man. Let's start thinking about ideas. And Joe's like, I have no ideas, but all I know is I want to shoot something out in Bombay Beach. There's this weird little community out east of L.A., kind of like, I forget where it is in relation to Palm Springs, but it's that direction. It's this weird little block, this little square of, of nothing. It's like five by five blocks, 10 by 10 blocks. It's a tiny little, truly just a square. And it's right by this lake. 
And I think the story goes, someone started to build this little town thinking they could make this nice little like getaway town by the lake and you could like ski in the water and all this stuff. So they started to kind of construct this town. And then once a lot of it was like there, they discovered or realized the lake is like super salty and was like, or it got saltier than it used to be. Like basically like all the fish that were in there started dying. Like if you go there now, the beaches around this lake is like, instead of sand, it's like fucking grinded up like fish bones. Like it's like a weird place. And that salty water like killed this town. So now it's like this weird shanty town thing of like every other house is kind of abandoned. The people that live there are like scary in a way. I don't want to disrespect them because I actually had a nice time out there, but it's like, it would scare most of the people I know to be out there. Um, and it's like this funky little place now where like they have this wild art festival every year where people will come out, a bunch of artists come out and stay for like a week. Cause again, there's all these like kind of empty homes, but they're technically still livable. Uh, and these artists come out and just like make art for a week. And then usually it's like physical art that lives in the town. Like someone will turn an abandoned house into an art piece or someone turned a, there was a, there was a piece that was brand new when we shot there. It was like this old plane, maybe hundred feet long, like a small plane, but it was stood upright and turned into like some sort of like faint, like a windmill kind of thing, like really wild stuff. So it's this weird place. It's just interesting. And Joe was like, let's go. I just want to shoot some out there. I'm like, that's cool. And then I kept thinking. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, I tried to make a short film like four years ago with Joe and Chris that was the exact plot of Derek's Dead, which is the basic conceit of it is two guys that used to be friends but now hate each other get news that their friend has died and he left instructions for the two of them to spread his ashes together. So as much as they hate each other, it's like, ah, this guy's last wishes. We should fucking go do it. So they meet up to spread this ashes. All three of them hated each other before the guy died. Um, and then it goes from there. I won't reveal what happens. And I was like, oh, shit. I could just turn that into a movie. And that's where they have to go out to Bombay Beach. That's where the guy wants them to spread the ashes. Okay. Road trip out to Bombay Beach. Cool. And then we just went from there and threw it together and you know, I still barely know what I'm doing in terms of like story and plot. So like, I just scraped together some version of like, it starts here and then they go through this. And then the, by the end they're here and like, it barely makes sense. It barely works, but it works enough. And then from there, I just trusted that we could like throw together a good performance that, 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 that we could make it funny. We could improvise, which is all I've ever liked doing anyways. And it is, I guess I, I will say the one thing I'm supremely confident in is my ability to cast. Because I know so many funny, talented, interesting people. So in terms of who to put in a role, or usually usually it's it's even before that, I'm writing for a specific person I know when I'm, de when I'm developing an idea. So I, I'm very confident that I know how to pick a person for a role and who to pair with who and stuff. So it was just like a perfect storm in that regard too, of everybody that was in it was so good. Yeah, that just killed it. That was going to be one of my questions where there's just so many funny people in it and it feels like, you know, there is a plot and but it feels like there and even there's a gag reel too. It yeah. feels like there was a lot of room mm. to improvise and just let these people do funny bits that play to their strengths. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's the only way to do it. I never had a full finished script. It was loose till the end there was scenes that were just paragraphs uh, up until shooting 
But one thing I did that I think made a huge difference is I rehearsed almost every scene with all the actors beforehand, which made a big difference because then we could kind of feel out like, oh, do it a little more like this. Be a little angrier. You're a little weirder. You're kind of crazy. You're the nervous one. And then we can fuck around. And as we're just rehearsing, it's just me in like Joe's living room and I got my cell phone up on his bookshelf or something recording it. There's no stakes. We're just fucking around. And in that, in that space, you can do some weird shit that still could work. Yeah, you find so stuff like, too, it, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was a lot of that. It was a lot of rehearsing. And as we're rehearsing and fucking around, we say something that's really funny, but actually does work. And I go, oh, whoa. So then I would take, yeah, I'd set the phone up on a bookshelf or something, take video of the rehearsals. And then I'd go home and watch the video and change the script <laughs> and add stuff we came up with. I should have given everybody writing credit is what I should have done because that's kind of how it went. And then we even still improvised a lot on set. Like Chris Stevens was the best at that. He would like do something different every every take of a given scene and always come up with something funny. It's it's a it's 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 honestly not that good. It's fine as a movie. I'm satisfied with it, which again is a miracle. It's a miracle that I'm actually fine with it. Um, but it is like it is for me pretty miraculous that it's that that it's fine. Yeah, that I am satisfied with it. No, I mean I think. I think the setting that the odd setting and then the element of it's, you know, the movie is played grounded, but with all this absurdity to it too. So like that really is such a unique combination to me. You just described my whole philosophy, man. My whole philosophy of how I want to make shit is like grounded, sincere, realistic, believable, but then still as goofy and silly as possible without making it uh, uh, fake. You know what I mean? Like whatever that line is, we're like, oh, you just crossed into like breaking reality. Like get as close to that line of not realistic as you can with the silliness without crossing that line. Yeah. Um, there's something about that that I really love. And I think it's the perfect length too. You know, for me, 70 to 85 minutes is kind of the ideal length for a comedy. My, my whole thing is if you go over 90 minutes, with a comedy it has to be earned everybody needs to be having a great time and rolling with it but that like it's a hard cap for me with 90 minutes so yeah. 73 for me i think is a great length i think i think movie i think there should be comedy movies that are like 40 minutes long like i think 30 to 60 is a window nobody's willing to to play around with that i think should because lengths don't matter anymore a lot of people aren't going to theaters or at least we're not watching all of our movies in theaters so like i don't know runtime's don't matter in my opinion like so i think there should be more especially comedy to your point i think there should be more shit in that 30 to 60 window um but you're probably in the end you're probably right 60 to 90 i would say is probably what you should actually shoot for i'm just getting i like to get weird with it i'm like no i want to make a movie that's 48 minutes like the 1950s with like the b movies the ones that would play the second part yeah. of a double feature where they'd just be like this yeah. this short little thing well, and you've also got you've got these like these anthology shows like the Buster uh, Buster Scruggs and the Black Mirrors and stuff where they're like they're they're anthology they're episodic, but each episode is completely standalone story and they're all forty two minutes or something and it's like yeah that's a little movie what's wrong with that that's a movie let's call it a movie. So Derek said it's it's on a number of streaming platforms. I just always say Tubi. It's on Tubi. Tubi's. Tubi's the new thing. I love the new, the new weird free ones. Of course, I scan reviews constantly. Like I still check Letterbox. Like, anybody, did anybody put it on a list? Um, I made it in 2019. But um, yeah, the, the comments are like, I love it. This is great. And then others are like, what the fuck? This is a waste. 
there's one choice we make in the movie that does completely infuriate some people, which obviously we won't give away. Either. Right. But there's one very specific choice we make that people are like that just completely ruined the entire movie for me. I was enjoying it until then. And you made that choice. And now I hate it, um, which I honestly get. I honestly get it was it was another thing. Oh, and that's another thing I should mention. Uh, this guy, Clay Tatum, who's an extremely talented filmmaker himself, um, helped me out a bunch on this. So he was with me kind of every step of the way. He's he's a guy I, I've always trusted pretty completely in terms of just instincts, giving, getting notes on scripts or edits. Um, so when I was like, I got to do this movie thing, but I need someone that I can like bounce off constantly that I trust. So he was there. He helped me develop. Uh, he changed ideas. He shot half of it. He was one of the cameramen. Uh, he helped me with the edit. He did a lot of fucking shit. Um, so I really owe him a lot. And he just made an amazing movie called The Civil Dead with his kind of comedy partner, Whitmer Thomas, which is fucking incredible. I think it's on Cinemax now. It had a really good rest festival run. Yeah, I think it's on Showtime. Yeah. Um, so the one choice I'm talking about, that one choice that everyone hates, that was his idea. <laughs> I He pitched it to me. He's like, you know what you could do? You could do this. And I go, ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> whoa wait a minute oh no maybe i should shouldn't i i was like scary but i was like that's actually really good that's scary but that's good um i think any movie that makes that choice anytime i mean i i think it's one of those choices when you see it in a movie there's always a segment of the audience that that gets upset about it <laughs> yeah well that's another thing i hope i'm not giving away his secret but that's one of his little his little philosophies he told me he's like you can have the most simple little grounded nothing of a story movie but you gotta make one wild choice make one wild choice it could just be a twist in the middle a twist at the end it could be a fucking you know whatever something that's kind of sprinkled throughout but like yeah. just make one one crazy choice but otherwise you can you can be as simple as possible which that movie technically is it's a really simple there's fucking seven characters in the whole movie or something eight um whole thing is like almost real time covers like four days like yeah very very small small world well that's funny you you mentioned that me thinking back to the civil dead there is a choice a thing that happens like in the middle of the movie where it's like oh yeah that that was very interesting and i could see how people could get lost doing yeah. that so that makes yeah. sense to me the best the one thing i want to say before i forget my favorite review because again i can't help but stare at all the reviews my favorite review they said something like oh yeah you can just like make a movie yeah you can just i forgot you can just you can technically just go make a movie and i was like yes that's exactly what i want people to take away from this like i don't want i don't expect anyone to be blown away or think it's some masterpiece but yeah i that's kind of what that's all i did i just kind of fucking went out and figured it out and in theory we all can which is, you know, it's the, it's like the Duplass brothers whole thing of like, just find a friend and get it, shoot it with your iPhone and that whole shit. They get a little obnoxious with it, but it's all true. Like you can just go out and like fuck around and do it and you can throw it together and it doesn't have to be that good. Just like try and care and, and have fun and, and make sure you have some like talented, interesting people involved. But like, it doesn't have to be the most interesting story ever. It doesn't have to have amazing set pieces. It doesn't have to have, you know, fucking huge love or, or dramatic or death or you know it could just be super simple they made a thing years ago i watched that wasn't even that interesting but i loved it it was just like a guy going home and like runs into his ex and then they just like spend like a weekend just like hanging out i was all black and white like very little happened but i was like yeah you that's a movie 
And it's, you know, I paid attention and I finished. <laughs> I didn't hate it. Like that's, you can do that. You can just go out and fucking do it. No, to me, that's part of the charm of Derek's Dead too, is that it it's, seems like just a group of friends having a fun time yeah. making a movie. <laughs> a little more stressful for yeah. you, but it seems like everybody's having I fun. Think, I think everybody else had fun. I hope so. Uh, there was one day where people were not having fun, which was actually my birthday. I shot it over my birthday weekend and my 35th birthday was by far the worst day. Um, and I was like, I had like a breakdown at the end. But otherwise, I think people had fun. So you've taken some time away and now are back. You're kind of in a monthly cadence with some short films. What has, yeah. and, and they do have kind of that Kurt, your enthusiasm vibe to it. A little bit. Yeah. What has prompted kind of the, the comeback of making shorts? Well, yeah. So I did, I did end up uh, leaving town for a couple of years after a little bit after the movie um it wasn't going to be for a couple of years but then the pandemic started like right after like a couple months after i was back home so i'm like oh okay i guess i'll stay in rural oregon at my parents house during this <laughs> global pandemic so i ended up being back there for a couple of years and eventually you know i just got bored and was losing my mind and had nothing to do and even worse even a stronger version of like i have no future here why did i think i could survive here i don't want to do anything here i have like three friends but they're busy like I can't, I can't make shit and I miss making shit. So because I still had all the friends here and because I still had the capability to just make shit down here, I'm like, well, that's still the only thing I can think of that I want to do. So I guess I'll fucking go back. So I moved back to LA at what would have been 37. And it, for a while, it felt like a really stupid idea because now I'm paying LA rent and bills and I have to get a real job. And ugh, uh, I really was scared for a minute there, but um yeah, eventually, once I kind of got back into any some place of comfort, I'm like, well, I got to fucking go for it if I'm going to move back. So I just uh, found the motivation. I tricked my parents into giving me more money. I definitely always make a point to point that out because it's a huge advantage that not everybody has. And they threw me a good chunk of money. Um, and I went out and shot a couple short films, the, which have just been private. They, I just made those and finished the second one just last week. And I'm just emailing them out privately and submitting to festivals and stuff. But it was interesting. I was like, this is the thing. This is the push. I'm going to make these big pieces and I'm going to put them out. And I'm going to release them consecutively. And everybody's going to be so blown away that I made multiple things. And they're all so good. Oh my gosh. And this is going to do the thing. Um, and then as soon as I was done with those, I'm like, those are dumb. Those suck. I don't even like those anymore. What did I do that for? I should have done something else. And then I just completely, I immediately got motivated to do something entirely different. Um, which is funny. It's once you, I don't know, maybe there's something, yeah, maybe that's what it's all about. Once you actually force yourself to be creative, you motivate yourself to stay creative. I don't know. Cause then all of a sudden I just got better ideas. Cause now was, I think what it was, was I put all this time and energy and my parents' money into these big short film pieces that are now going to sit around in private for years while I wait for festivals to reject me. So I wanted to do something uh, I wanted to find something I could do more consistently and just post on socials and just, here's a little fucking thing. Here's a little fucking thing. Um, more, most specifically, I was thinking of uh, these guys I know, uh, Ryan Flanagan, Jack Robichaud, Ahmed Barucha. They have a, a, a sketch group called Dead Kevin. And they had a run years ago where they would put out stuff like every week uh, on their YouTube. And it was just little sketches and it was just three roommates being weird, you know, just nothing unique. They're not breaking any ground, but they're unique guys, unique ideas within that world. And it was really funny. And I was always really jealous that they had this like consistent thing that they could just make stuff and put it out, make stuff, put it out. 
So I was like, what's my dead Kevin? I want to make a dead Kevin thing. Uh, and I kicked around a bunch of stuff forever. And yeah, I forget how I got there, but I did end up in a version of like, oh, what about a world about a guy who goes about his life and everywhere he goes, he makes mistakes and he tries to fix it and he makes it worse and then he makes it even worser and then he leaves feeling like a total fucking idiot. Um, like, yeah, that's I could do that and that would be fun and that would be relatable and that would be easy to make because in a way I've realized it like encapsulated, it was a perfect example of like, what I think I'm good at, which is just individual scenes. <laughs> it's like I was saying earlier, I still don't think I'm very good at like telling a story, like having a good plot and like beginning, middle, end and like the Dan Harmon story circle thing. Like I'm still not very good at any of that. But one scene at a time, each individual scene are kind of fun. I can have fun with one little scene. I'm like, oh, I'll just make little scenes. One scene, never more than one scene, rarely more than two people. And it'll just, will create a little moment where I, I, there was a misunderstanding or a mistake was made and I just make it fucking worse. And uh, we just make comedy out of that. And same thing. We had a lot of improvising and, and fucking around. And um, yeah, it's been really fun. It allows us to be super silly and goofy, but still stay grounded and sincere and technically realistic, even though it gets big and it gets really wild, but it's only because I'm an idiot and I panic and I'm just, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to be a nice guy. But in my panic and in my in my kind of stupidity and ignorance and laziness, I just make it fucking worse. And that's it's been really fun because um, I know similarly, it's like, oh, maybe this is a TV show. Right. And it's like I did the Curb Your Enthusiasm thing because Curb is so good. I've always been a big, always sunny in Philadelphia guy. But in both of those shows, the main characters are fucking monsters. They're assholes and like almost intentionally. So they're selfish. You know what I mean? So I like the idea of making a similar style show about people, a guy going around like technically pissing people off everywhere he goes, but like not on purpose, <laughs> not because he's selfish. He's just stupid. He's just a fucking idiot. And he like mixes, he makes mistakes and he's like, doesn't know enough stuff. And he's like insecure. And you know, I like, I like that, that part. And I think it, I think that makes it even more relatable maybe. So there's been three shorts over the past few months do you have more on the way this summer yeah i shot a couple the one i just put out one with the greatest actor i know demores brown um channel 101 legend legend la legend um that one was really fun and i actually found an office space that some friends share that i could use for a day so i actually shot two on that same day but the second one might be bad I might not release it. I shouldn't have told you. Um, I don't like my performance. That's why I'm going to like, never mind. I don't want to do this one. But I do already have some other ideas um, that I want to shoot soon. Ideally, I can just make them forever. That's kind of the main goal now. Because again, there is no certainty, of course, that I have a future in filmmaking. You know what I mean? Career-wise. So like, I'm trying to find that middle ground right now of like, is there a version where I find a decent job that doesn't drive me crazy? And then I just make my little shit on the weekends with my friends. If I could do that long-term, that could be nice. I think I could be okay with that. So I'm trying to find a version of that at the moment. Um, and I think I'm doing okay. So in theory, yes, I would, it would, I could make these forever. I would be, it would be fun. So every episode of hosting guest, I always like to ask for some recommendations. So do you have a favorite film that's influenced you, whether it's uh, an older film or, or a recent movie that has been of importance to you that's a good question um i have favorite movies but i don't i feel like the only ones that have been the ones that have been more influential lately uh i'm a big joe swanberg guy 
he's in that kind of mumblecore world. I don't know if he would class classify himself as mumblecore or not. I I kind of lump him in with the mumblecore mumblecore world. Um, <laughs> and he also works a lot with one of my favorite actors, Jake Johnson. Um, so a lot of their stuff, specifically Drinking Buddies, and they have another one on Netflix called Win It All. Every time I watch those Swanberg movies, he's made other ones that I didn't enjoy as much. But um, and he's a Chicago guy. They both are him and Jake. Um, but every time I watch their stuff, I'm like, this is awesome. I love it. I want to make something just like this. And I could so easily make it so much funnier. I want to make a movie just like Win It All or just like Drinking Buddies, but make it a proper comedy. And I think that would be technically kind of easy and really good. And I I think there's, you know, I feel like I'm getting too far into like toot my own horn territory, but like I think there's a world for that that nobody's really tapping into that the Swanbergs and the and the Duplass brothers and and these kind of indie mumblecore guys, they make these interesting little cheap little simple movies. And all it takes is the right actors and the right dialogue to make them very funny. And I don't understand why no one's doing that. And no everyone's going out and making, you know, the wild, the ridiculous big comedies, which also have their place. And I'm glad people are still doing it. it. Looks like the Jennifer Lawrence one is actually making some money. So rock on. Let's make some studio comedies. But also give me a hundred thousand dollars to make a really funny one at all. And like, that, that feels like a no brainer to me. I don't know why no one's doing that. You mentioned uh dead Kevin. Are there other comedy groups, any, any big influences that you'd recommend as well? I mean, definitely wit and clay too. that movie. Civil dead is huge. Uh, and I love it. Um, I'm trying to think of other versions of, of the stuff I like. I mean, you know, let's see. I'm trying to think of stuff that's out there. You can see outside of just live performance stuff. Rory Scovel in general is one of my favorite guys around. He, he he's a stand up and an actor and um he's got a he's just like his whole thing is just seated his pants. He's always running with whatever comes to his mind. It's very improv and you know going with the moment and stuff and he just I think he's really fascinating. Um and he's my friend and I try to put him in stuff and he's always busy but I bet he's lying half the time. So in addition to that do you have any uh folks from Channel 101 that you recommend their work? I mean, I know there's a lot at Channel 101, but anybody that you really connected with? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of people. Uh, my pal Dave Seeger made a lot of amazing stuff. Um, KP Parker, Monica Lumba made made a really cool show or two. Ted Marsden made a lot of cool stuff with Nick Hurley. Ted Marsden made some stuff with. Uh, but um, Alex Kabisky was my main guy. He was one of my best pals. Still was one of my best pals. Uh, he made a lot of amazing stuff at Channel 101. Um, which technically isn't even available right now. The site's like dead and gone at the moment, which is a whole other. They redesigned it. Whole other story. I don't care for it's that. very strange. I don't want to get into it, but technically, all our old stuff is not currently available. Um, but Alex's stuff was all amazing, and then he's made a bunch of great short films since then. I forget which ones are technically available and not. He's got one making some festival rounds right now called Stolen Valor. I'm pretty sure, which is very good, um, and hopefully it will be publicly available soon. But otherwise, he's got a bunch of great shit somewhere. Alice Kavutsky. Can I do it by memory? K-A-V-U-T-S-K-I-Y. Alex Kavutsky. Makes some really good shit, man. And he does. I got it. I, I'm I'm glad I remembered to plug him because he does me a lot of fucking favors. He's like. Yeah, his whole his whole guide to filmmaking series. Yes. That was a Channel 101 favorite where it's it's not. It's him. He's the star of it, but it's not actually Sean Milheiser, him on camera. Don Milheiser. Yeah. He's actually fucking great too. Check out Don Milheiser. He's his whole everything he posts on social media stuff. He's a really weird, funny guy. Um, check him out. That's a good one, actually. Oh, my friend Max Bumgarner. Max Bumgarner Garner Garden. Shit. Sorry, Max. I messed it up. 
he's really fucking funny he's in that whole clown world uh that's really popular right now like the new performance the hip performance style is clown this guy max is really in that uh deep in that world he's very funny he makes a lot of really funny videos with his kid he's got like a one or two year old kid um and he had one just go like viral he just went viral with his video with his kid um he's really funny but yes i'm glad i shouted out alex because he gives me he helps me out a lot he gives me a lot of notes and he tells me what's good and what's bad and sometimes his notes are so good that i have to change things really dramatically and it pisses me off anything else coming out anything else that you want to recommend that people check out or, or that people should know about? Oh, I mean, I got these these two short films that I don't know what's going to happen with them, but I guess be on the lookout. One is called Livable Measure of Miserableness. Um, I like that it's hard to say. Um, one is called <laughs> Partners. Uh, so those will be out somewhere eventually. And then I just shot one with another some other friends. That one's called Georgia Tahunga. And that one's going to be really good, I bet. So I'm actually excited about that one. well i'll put my friend on blast my friend ariel gardner uh he was a part of a group of people that put on a fake film festival last year called the taco bell film festival not at all affiliated with taco bell but a film festival nonetheless it was mostly just all of our friends making crap but it had to kind of be like taco bell adjacent and it was a really fun event very very old school channel 101 vibes so it was so much fun and successful this year they were going to do something called the tahunga film festival because he and his partner moved to tahunga so we, me and my friend Dave Seeger were like, oh, let's make a fucking Tahunga thing. And I pitched two titles, Welcome to Tahunga and George of Tahunga. And he goes, okay, yeah, George of Tahunga. So we made a short film called George of Tahunga. But now Ariel's being a lazy bastard and not like setting any deadlines for anyone to submit stuff or like picking a date for the event. So it might not even happen, but we still have a really good short film, I think, with a really corny title that would have made more sense if it started with that Tahunga Film Fest. No, I, I can get George, George, George of Tahunga. Exactly. I get exactly. it. Exactly. Um, so that one will be good. And then I'll keep making more of this little shit. I'm trying to build a little thing. I'm trying to get a YouTube thing going. So yeah, check out my freaking YouTube. Follow me or something. And if you follow me, I uh, retweet and like all of Kurt's stuff all the time. So that's... Exactly. you got an advocate in me. <laughs> thank you, my man. I appreciate it. Well, Kurt, thank you so much for being on Host and Guest. A pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, man. It was real fun. Thank you to Kurt for joining me on today's host and guest. You can find Kurt's recent videos on YouTube by searching for Kurt Neal. That's Kurt with a C. And Neal is N-E-I-L-L. And please do check out Derek's Dead. It's on Tubi right now. And it's only 73 minutes. So I know you have the time or can find the time to watch it. And I think it's only a matter of time before it becomes a secret handshake cult comedy. So watch it now so you can be the one to introduce it to your friends. Thanks again to Kurt for joining me on the show, and thank you to you for listening to this edition of Host and Guest.